Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I have a couple things to share with you. Next Sunday is our food Sunday. Everybody always loves that. And the theme that came up is all about eggs. So bring eggs, bring breakfast items, bring brunch items, whatever you want to do with that. I am excited to see your creativity around that. And then after service next Sunday is the day that Ann wants to do the dream casting. So be thinking about where you see this ministry going, and she wants to have some discussion around that. So I'm looking forward to that. Also want to say, uh, Ann wanted me to share, I think it's on those papers in front of you, but we are having a Good Friday service. That'll be April 3rd, 530, um, a little bit less than an hour, she said, to, to relay to you. It's going to be a time of worship and reflection. And then following that, for anybody who's interested, um, going down to the art show that Angel is a part of. And you all know Angel. She does the message here sometimes. So she's she's an artist. She's a local artist. She has a studio. So she'll be a part of that Good Friday art show. So for anybody that would want to go on after that, I think that will be kind of neat. And then April 5th is Easter this year. And so be inviting your friends and family just to be here with us on Easter. That's always a special worship service where we celebrate uh, the resurrection. So excited about that. Last thing I want to mention is the Love Does study will begin the Sunday after April. I guess that might be the 12th. Um, So we do that after worship. This is a really cool study um, with Bob Goff. He is just tons of fun. And his whole life is about loving people and Scott and I got to have breakfast with him and Anna Brady was in town, I don't know, like a month ago. And I mean, just funny, just funny. And He's he loves great. in real life. He is exactly like you see him. If you ever seen a video or any uh, YouTubes of him or anything like that, he is an amazing um, spirit out into the world, throwing himself out into the world. And his mission is just to be friends with everybody he meets. So if you met him, he'd be hugging on you. And, and not everybody likes that. And he's, a, he's kind of okay with that. But he goes around the world and does a lot of great things in a lot of countries. And so just a neat guy. This study is about, this. they call this a five-week experiment in living love. So you're just challenged to go out and love people more. And Where was he yesterday? Get over yourselves. That, uh, we were laughing. Um, <clears throat> somewhere in China. Mongo- somewhere in Mongolia. Mongolia. In Mongolia. He's in Mongolia. Establishing, he goes all around the world and just. He's establishing really, a school for kids. He's got one in Iraq and he's got one in even Uganda. Without a plan, he just out in the world and says, "I want to put a <laughs> uh, school here." He works with the government to do it, and so it's it's cool. But he was showing this traffic jam, and it was I don't know were these sheep? I mean, these were, were big goats or something. All these goats that big in the curvy road, horns, and, so and it would just stop the world. We just so. crack up. Everything. Follow him on Twitter, and you will laugh and be encouraged. But anyway, so that study starts for us. It's a video study, so you get to kind of hang out with Bob during that time. So if you would like to get a book, the books are optional. Talk to Susan about that. And I am gonna pass it over to Scott. Hey, surprise! Get more of me. Good morning. It's fantastic to see you. And uh, of course, we love Anna and Brad. We miss them. Um, but uh, uh, she went ahead and gave me the uh, the opportunity today to to take time and talk with you. So, this is the year of thriving, and we want to continue to focus on that. That is our our theme for the entire year. In fact, we haven't played that song in a while. I want to bring that back because that is such a fun song to play, and it's about energy and about life. It's the year of thriving and of growing and how our worship defines our thriving. 
there is a connection between how we connect with worship, how we connect with each other, how we connect with God, and whether or not we are thriving, either individually or as a church. And we want to we not lose track of that. We're continuing on with this series, series about worship. Um, Anne started this series uh, three or four weeks ago. Uh, there were three, yeah, three messages prior to this. And the theme here is worship as one of the purposes of the church, and worship as a verb. And we are looking at this through the perspective of the book of Acts by Luke. So the book of Acts, uh, coming up shortly after uh, Jesus' resurrection, and how the church laid its foundation and, and, and began to grow in that first century. The first week, and focused on dare. There's a rhyming thing in here, so I'm just going to warn you right off. Dare, dare to believe and receive. The challenge of conviction, of recalculating, of putting us on that path. And if you, were, if you were here that week or if you listened to that message, one of the big things was about confusion. How we get confused and how sometimes we're looking for things in life before we actually take a moment to connect and put ourselves in that right place. So we want to dare to connect with the Holy Spirit and, 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 and bring that forth before you move forward. And our second week was about prayer. Prayer, the preparation and study that goes into worship, the seeking and studying of God as our acts of worship. So what was the, what was the challenge that week? Everybody should remember this, the texting challenge, right? Did everybody try that out? That was pretty neat. So what is that challenge? That challenge is about bringing God into your life in every day, in every moment that you may just take that moment. The challenge itself was every time I send a message, to just take a moment and send a message to God also. And if you had taken that challenge, you would have been, I think you would have been, I would have been. I did it, I, I wasn't perfect. We're not perfect. No, no, there's no pop quiz here. I'm not grading everybody on this stuff. But, you know, for every moment that you take, it, it is a real, the real connection with God. And it, it is going to bring you closer to God. It's going to bring your life more directly in line. So the integrating the flow of communication and the challenge of bringing this into our regular lives, into our common activities, and not just Sunday from 10 to 11, 11, 15, or not just, you know, before you go to bed. How, how does this relate when I'm filling up my gas? How does this, you know, and I got to, or I got to be home for dinner. So the third week, third week was care, what it means to care as an act of worship. No, that was last week, and even though I missed that, I, I thought it was, a, it was really good. It was about our gifts. It was about understanding our gifts and uh, to share the load and to share the love as worship back to God. So a reminder here is the 12 disciples discussed the distribution of load and who would tend to the widows. That's what the verse was about. And here in the early church, they were trying to figure out how to manage what was going on. And they realized that the, the disciples or the leaders who, who were leading the the, the, the knowledge transfer, the, the speaking of everything, didn't have time to tend to every widow. So it was about gifts. It was about understanding your gifts and the gifts that, that God enlightened to you, that we have personal gifts. But when you bring those gifts to God and in, in, and in connection to God, how amazing some of those can be and how God uses our gifts to fit them into his plan. So our challenge, Alan's challenge, was a joyful challenge of what our talents were and how they might and how they might play out at friends and family. You see, there's a little theme going on here, the beginning of the, the church in the first 100 years and how we connect and how we come together as a church uh, to move forward. 
And that was my spot for our quick reminder that next week on March 29th, the last Sunday of the month, in our meal day, we will be having a conversation and we will be discussing as a group some of the ways each of us might use our gifts and where God is leading us. So uh, I would like you to just pray on that. We've been talking about that a little bit, but just uh, step back and spend a little thought and then and connect the church to your mind and then connect it to yourself and, and, and just pray on, on what and how that connection uh, may grow, may grow. Now today we're here to talk about sharing. So dare, prayer, care, and share. So you can tell Anne, I, I kept right on the path. It was all good. <laughs> so sharing, and, and great, you know, uh, you know, when Anne actually gave me this assignment first to begin with, I was like, sharing, oh, I love my stuff. <laughs> right, I love my stuff. I love the fact that I have a house and a car and I have a place and, and, and I love my guitars, right, Alan? We love our guitars and our things and stuff and you know where are you really going to go with this whole whole thing where do you want me to go with this because and i guess you know it is funny it's one of those god's things right the thing that you struggle with most might be the thing that you're going to get forced to challenge with so here's my moment um now we've talked about sharing sharing we've talked about all of our lives we actually grow you know it's one of the big things that we first teach kids and why is that because it's not so natural, it's not our first reaction. Our first reaction is to gimme, gimme mine, right? It, it's, it's, I want it. I might want it just because somebody else has it, right? That's kid stuff. Um, and I can, or the idea that, you know, if that little, you know, you know, Alan, if, if that Gibson that you had, if, if, well, just go with me. <laughs> he doesn't have a Gibson, but you know, it would be nice if you had a Gibson. But that Gibson, if you had, if I had it, I could do some really cool stuff with it, right? And so that envy, that envy of stuff and that stuff and your connection with stuff on a daily basis, and it's, it is, a lot of that is, is, is kid stuff. It's, it's um, or the I want stuff. So um, how many people have ever been in a grocery store and see a kid just sit down in the middle of the aisle and start screaming, right? Because they want what? They want stuff. They want candy. They want something. They see it. And it's our natural. The mic's over here. It's our natural reaction to stuff. It's all shiny. Shiny distracts us very easily. But, but we've all evolved past that. I'm not going to focus overly on that. We've all, you know, kind of gone there. We can bring that back for junior high. Junior high, they lose perspective, too. They kind of want stuff. So clothes and stuff. Um. Walk with me for a moment. Put yourself, I want you to just imagine, I want you to put yourself, say, hey, you know, the weather's beautiful. I don't have work this week. For some reason, work got canceled, and I got an extra $1,000 in the bank. What am I going to do? Well, put yourself in that car and just hit the road. And you hit the road. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Isn't that a beautiful thing? I love that. Actually, spring really reminds me. Or motorcycle, Russ. Just hop on your bike, and you're going to hit the road, and then maybe go down to Nashville or, or New York or some big city to see the world, and then that's the adventure that we share. And you get there, and, and uh, so you get to San Francisco. San Francisco is amazing, by the way. It's got super hills and all of these types of things, but I don't know the city, and I go around, and, and, and 
I'm so excited to be there. There's all these things I got to do. I got cash in my pocket. I got time to burn. And when I come out of the gas station, I realize that my car is stolen. My bike is stolen. And then my wallet was in the bike. And nobody knew I was going there, right? And I happened to find myself on the maybe bad side of San Francisco. There's always a bad side to every big town. I don't know. I don't know which side that is, but. So really, really, just take a moment and imagine that. Now I am in a foreign place, preferably a big city, because I, that, that always just really gels for me. There's so much going on and so many people. And, 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 and now I'm there. I have no car. I have no money. I have nothing. I have no, I have no food. I, you know, I just have the clothes that are on my back. And I was so excited about going, I forgot to shave. <laughs> Took three days to get there. You know how long it takes me to look like a bum, <laughs> Megan? About 12 hours, right? <laughs> and you can't decipher me from the homeless in San Francisco, which is part of my point. So you find yourself off on the other side of the planet. And, and honestly, just breathe that in for a moment. What the heck am I going to do? I am without the things that I am accustomed to. I do not know how I'm going to get home. I do not know where I'm going to sleep, where I'm going to eat. And imagine, and again, nobody knew where you were going. Who's going to take a collect call from a 900 number out of California? How many people take that call? <laughs> the best you're going to do is leave a voicemail for somebody, and if you're lucky and if they still like you. <laughs> They might do something about it, but, but my point is, my two points are, I really wanted you to take a moment to connect to what it means to not have stuff and what it means to might be in a place who may not be as friendly to you, right? I picked San Francisco. I know there's a lot of, again, I can look like a bum real quick, and I know that San Francisco has a lot of homeless people. So if I go around and start explaining my story, who's going to believe me? And I ain't walking home. <laughs> that ain't going to make it. But we are only a couple steps away from being needy. And to understand needy is to begin, it's the door to understand the value of sharing and what it may mean to people that you may share with. So step with me. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44, uh, this is the parable of uh, the widow's offering. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, quote, truly I tell you, this poor woman has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, she put in everything, all she had to live on. So what was it that made her offering so valuable? What, what, what's the point of that parable? Well, 
We've heard it, and we heard it multiple times. You know, when you have lots of stuff and you just give a little stuff, it's really not an emotional stuff for you. It's really not, um, it's not a big deal, right? If I'm a millionaire and I give away 100, I can give away 100 bucks to everybody in this room if I had a million bucks, and you'd all have a great day, and you'd be thankful, but what did that really, how did that really connect with me? The truth is, is that in this parable, it wasn't so much even about the fact that it was the money and then what the money was doing, but it was the connection that the widow had with Jesus and with her faith. Can we do things on faith and not see the other side? You know, she gave away her last dollars. Can we put, but can we know that the good things that we do will come back? And that is faith. That is, requires faith to believe that you can make that step and to move forward. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Anybody got it? Megan? <laughs> he answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love the neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is us. Sorry, I was teasing you, Megan, because I can't whip out. I'm horrible. I got the text. Um, following that, this, this actually came from a moment when Jesus was, was in a temple and was being challenged by a lawyer. We kind of heard that story, that lawyer. It was his answer back to the lawyer. What matters most? And it was a challenge of works and law and doing law. And we know this verse very well because we've built the foundation of this church on that verse. But I continue from there because I want to just point out. It says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And in reply, Jesus said, quote, a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. He could have been in San Francisco. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. You know, I love it when Jesus just makes real straight statements. I, lo I love it when he says, go and do likewise. There's no, there's no variable in that, right? There's no like, well, if you feel like it, go do it. Or in this situation, there's no qualifiers. It's just go and do likewise. Uh, sidetrack, not part of this, but I, my other favorite, most straightforward one was when he was on the cross and he said, it is done. I, either one of those just almost make me want to cry. 
But to this, in the relationship, this story, the Good Samaritan, and that is a great, you know, I'd love for us to connect the fact that this comes right after what we are founded on. And, and, and what we've learned from this, by, by ending everything in this manner, Jesus is telling us to follow the Samaritan's example in our everyday lives. We are to show compassion and love for those we encounter in our everyday activities. We are to love others regardless of who they are. Remember, these were different people, different sex, different places in the community. We are to love people regardless of who they are or where they come from, their race, their religion, their, their, their status, their stature, their, their, you know, their politics. If they need and we have the supply, we are to give generously and freely without expectation of return. You can remember the guy gave extra money and said, hey, make sure this guy is taken care of. It wasn't just that he bandaged him up and passed him off. He pulled him in and made sure he had a good running start. You go ahead and flip to the, thank you. This is the scripture that really supports today's uh, message. I don't have eyes in the back of my head, sorry. Hold on. <laughs> Where's my? Acts 4, chapter 4, uh, verse 31 through 33. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, at work in them all. So what does this mean for us today? We're not starting a commune. I'm not suggesting here that everybody dump all their stuff in the middle and let's just do it. That really hadn't worked out very well in the past. And even though it worked for a while, it worked really well for the church for a while, it didn't work out for the early church either. It's the reality. Why? Because we're people. People are people. And we're going to go back to the kid stuff and say, well, in the end, we can all maybe grasp the concept, but sharing everything you have is not the goal that I'm on mission to profess here today. Acts, again, this is from Acts. Acts in the early church. And uh, further down in this, well, actually previous to this statement, and I like to put context to this statement, this is the early church. The context surrounding Act 4 is in the early church, not too long after the disciples had the opportunity to spend time with the resurrected Jesus. Earlier, included earlier in Acts chapter 3 and 4, is a recount of an adventure of the apostles Peter and John. Peter and John had entered into town and had run across a lame beggar at a temple gate. Temple Gate was called Beautiful. I don't know, it was capital B, Beautiful. I just thought that was beautiful, so I thought I'd share that. So Peter and John were at this local temple, and they came across this lame beggar. And full of spirit, Peter proceeded to cure the beggar through the name of Jesus Christ. And in turn, he created quite a stirring among the community. As you would expect, there was some back and forth. Eventually, local leaders got involved. You know, this isn't long after Jesus was, was crucified. You're not supposed to be out 
scaring people and proclaiming the name of Jesus. And they ended up jailing Peter and John for a night. Peter and John stood strong in their faith, made it through the night, and were brought forth back the other day. The other day they were brought out to the leadership and to the people. But there was something, you know, Peter had just cured a lame man, a lame man that was more than 40 years old. So it was obvious. He was known in the community. And he was gaining a big following. And again, they had just crucified Jesus, and now they got another one. They were not happy about this. They were pretty enraged about the whole thing, and, and they couldn't do anything because all they did was cure a guy. And they weren't going farther than that. But they made a big deal of it all day. I'm giving you the short version here. And in, in the end, Peter and John were released, had stayed fast with their faith, but had made their way back to, to, to camp, to the other followers, to... Uh, to the other area. They returned back to their own people and reported what had happened. So what do you think happened, and this is my point, what do you think happened when Peter and John actually got back and said, hey, we did this, and, 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 and Peter cured this, this lame man, and everyone got all upset, but there was nothing they could do, but they were really pissed. Can I say pissed up here? Ooh, sorry. They're really unhappy about the situation, and it really wasn't following their politics. And they had some meat. I mean, they, they had some ability to do stuff. But, but this group stood up to the people. Peter and John, on their own, stood up to the people, and they went back. And, you know, and at this time, uh, there's probably several thousand back in the, in the early church. And they were gaining more from the beggar. But what was it? It was like a victory. It was like, yeah, they, they just started singing and, and, and proclaiming the, the, the word of Jesus, and it was, it was great. They, they felt a surge of energy. There was this thing going on in the world, and even though they were the small guy, they were the minority, something great had happened. And they were all in, right? And then came this verse. Can anybody think of other times in our history where a situation like that might bring people together to get them immediately beyond themselves? 9-11, Twin Towers. Natural disasters, tsunamis, things like that. That's been a weird one the last decade or so. Um, World War II, how about that, right? Where we really had to give, we had to give up family members. We had to give, we had to change the way we work, the way we live. We were willing to pull that together. We can, as a people, we do have this natural thing that says, hey, and, and it is one of the things I love about America, by the way. I do find, and I do connect to personally. When something happens, and we got all this weird stuff going on in America, but when something happens to America, like a 9-11, we're all Americans, right? We come together. And, and yeah, my, my guitars don't matter that day. So shared resources are a natural way for us to come back, especially when we're engaged, when we've caught the connection that we have with one another to a bigger idea. 
to a bigger concept. And again, when, when those people came together, we still all went our own way. You know, it wasn't uh, all in, give up all your stuff and do that. Now, sorry, Ann's better with her paperwork up here. I got to, one moment. Good. You know, I, oh, I get choked up sometimes, you know, and then it's hard to know where you're at in the papers. I love you, Russ. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, when it comes to stuff and when it comes to relationships, there's one story that has always hung on to me. And then as we get beyond, I've talked about, you know, what's in the Bible and this. And we want to talk about how this really, as adults, as people, connects to our lives. And there's one story that has really always pointed it out for me. So again, I, I just take a moment and then imagine that, uh, that this thing, on uh, this different story, we're not in San Francisco anymore, by the way. <laughs> I've, I've been, you know, it's been a highlight of my life. I've been working and, and one of the, the tokens, the trophies I've always wanted in my life is a BMW convertible, all right? Yeah, I know, that's not everybody's, but well, what would be a better one, Russ? The BMW. You like the BMW. It's hard to speak too bad about the BMW other than the price behind the BMW convertible, right? Because that would be like a small house or maybe even a medium-sized house. Um, so, I, you know, here I am. I've been working 20 years. It's been always my thing. I want this beautiful convertible. I get the convertible. I, I stay steadfast. I get there. And in the, in the first week, I'm, I'm, out, um, I'm out visiting my brother. And uh, I'm like, yeah, check out this great thing. And let's all go for a ride. And I take, and I bring him and his kids, and I pack them all in, and I load on the windows. And he lives in Arizona, so that's a great drive. And we're up in the hills, and we're doing all this. And, and I, you know, I, I just come to a stop a little too quickly. And the kids in the back seat, just spilled cheese fries. No, chili cheese fries. <laughs> All over the trophy of my life. You know, actually, let's, let's, I'm going to switch the story up just a little bit because I think it makes it even more real. It's my kids in the back seat that just spilled chili cheese fries on my BMW convertible. So what's going to happen in that moment? You got a choice. Again, a beautiful drive in Arizona. I can chuck those kids over the, over the cliff. But it is, that is, now that's reality, I'm telling you, because in small ways, that hits us on everyday life. And as a parent, that's probably one of the biggest things to challenge. And I am a parent, and I've been through this, and I have not gotten this right all the time. But in this reference, and in this story, it wasn't me personally, but it, it, again, it just, it so connects to me as a parent. 
You have a choice in that moment to value the people and the relationships that you love and that are important in life or to value this piece of stuff. And even if I hadn't chucked the kids over the edge, if I had flipped out in that moment, what am I telling them? I'm telling them that they, that they matter less. This is what I mean about stuff. Sorry, I'm a little choked up here. And I have not gotten this always right. It's easy to yell and scream and be a kid again in the candy store that said, no, that's not right, I want this. And it's not always fair. So I just want to challenge us to keep our stuff in perspective. And as much as I love my house and my guitars and, and my car and all that, I'll tell you what, if that house was empty, it really would be lonely. So although it seems we have less when we share, we actually do get more. That sharing is a tool to overcome our reactive behaviors and receive the spiritual fulfillment we really want. Our reactive behaviors. Sharing is being like the light. Jesus was consistent. It, it wasn't about him. And in the end, when we can take things out and make it not about us, then, then we're being like the light. Everybody has something to share. Physical things, gifts, uniques. These are in our unique light-like qualities. We are all different magical people. And where we come in and how we impress on those relationships is, is a gift. And don't, don't waste that gift. So sharing is the challenge of, of uh, living outside yourself, of connecting to others. Luke, chapter 14, verse 12 to 14. He said also to the man who had invited him, quote, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So sharing is being like the light being like God and then let's just take a moment and challenge that again we're going to have a conversation next week in regards to this church and our family and, uh, um, please pray on that um, would you all mind just standing with me and we'll have a little prayer
Thank you, God, for, for this moment in time where we could, again, focus on stepping outside of ourselves, our desires, our stuff, and our logic and all of these things, and get back to what really matters, to get back to that connection to each other. Loving God and loving each other is the direction you've provided, but we need to understand how to play that out and help us understand how that plays out in our lives. I am so thankful that God uses us in this way to love one one another. That we first look to you, to accepting you, to, to connecting to you, and then taking that to one another and loving them, loving one another. Contributing, contributing to them and the whole that is them. To feel for them, to root for them, to encourage them, and to know that that is right and to know that it is good. You're in our hearts, and we love you. Amen. I fall.
it connects well to the message, that whole ability to share of our time and our talent and, and share God's grace and mercy, you know, it is the Lord that empowers us to do that. We don't always do that on our own. We are like those little kids who don't want to share. We are that way very often. So it is connecting to God and his love and his light and letting that kind of flow through you. I love this illustration Russ always uses is you can't outgive God. Like you're you're putting in God's bucket and he puts more back in your bucket and you put in God's bucket and he puts more back in your bucket. So that is I think Scott hit on that. That is the you know when you give you do feel blessed and and it is a a good thing when you share you feel blessed. So I think it's good good uh, encouragement for us for this week just to kind of connect to that and think about how how do I want to live that out this week how do I want to share who do I want to share with um, really really good challenge this next song we're going to kind of close it down with is called I am and this is kind of about going through the storms of life you know and holding on to God and I love this thing Rick Warren said after his son um, committed suicide he said you're either in a storm you're coming out of a storm or you're getting ready to go into one and that is so true, and that is why we need each other to lift each other up um, and share each other's burdens. That kind of connects to the message last week. Um, and the other thing that he says really coming out of his son's suicide and grappling with that is never waste your pain because through your pain are your greatest opportunities to minister to others. And use your pain and take it and make something good, and, and God will bless that. God will, will make good things out of the ashes as well. So just thinking about that as we sing this next song, sing I Am With Us. There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place where we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Take me in with your arms spread wide. Take me in like an Never let go, never leave my side. 
to you. I am holding on to you. In the middle of the storm, I am holding on. I am. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.